Hey everyone, welcome to the Hot Takes Podcast, where we're always seeking to be humble, open, and transparent. We are about to have some fun. I hope you're ready. Thank you for being here, and enjoy. Hey, how's it going, everyone? We are back. You're like, it's not Monday. It's Tuesday. You daggone right it is because we have a special edition hot takes this week. And I'm so, so, so pumped to have the conversations with Mr. Brett Cooper and Evans Kerrigan because these gentlemen are going to lay it down as it pertains to how do we build better relationships? Because it's a people business. It's a contact sport. But we'll get into a little bit of that later. Gentlemen, Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday Tuesday to you, Lawrence. Real excited to be here. Oh, yeah. I, I am as well, man. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Yeah. So before we get into the business end of this conversation, uh, I want you all to just to tell people who you are, where you are in the world, and then we'll get rolling. I'll start off. I'm I'm Brett Cooper, uh, co-founder of Integris Performance Advisors and co-author of Solving the People Problem. And Lawrence, I'm coming to you today from the San Francisco Bay Area. Super. And uh, Evans Kerrigan, uh, same thing with co-founder and co-author. Uh, we've had the business around for about nine years and we are local. Uh, I'm just right down the street in uh, southern New Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia. So we don't have a lot of in-person meetings. We've been doing this virtual meeting thing for a long, long time. Yeah. So and and, and we'll, we'll get that's another topic for another day. But this is business as usual now, folks. Yeah. Deal yeah. with it. It's OK. Right. But uh, you both mentioned and you co-authored this book and, and really the premise of it is creating work relationships that really work. But when did this become a thing for you both? And, and Evans, go, go ahead and kick us off on that one. Sure. So uh, I have a long history, as you may have noticed, from uh, my lack of hair, which is overcoming my gray. Uh, but uh, I, I used to actually work inside of organizations for a long time and did leadership development, organizational development, and all those wonderful things, and a lot of work around continuous improvement. Uh, started consulting actually 20 some odd years ago, which is actually where I ran into bread right after I got out of corporate America and was doing mostly continuous improvement training. Uh, really helping organizations in terms of Lean and Six Sigma to improve their business processes. And one of the things that we found was the limitations that we had. And we had some really good successes, but the limitations we had had very little to do with actually continuous improvement. They had to do with not looking at the business process, but looking at the communication, leadership, teamwork processes, because that was actually kind of the secret sauce. So it, it was realizing that as you said, it's, it's a relationship business. I don't care what business you're in. It's a relationship business. They may have a lot of big machines and all that. It still comes down to the relationships, the communication of people. So we actually uh, left to start our own firm, really focusing on how could we bring those aspects into helping organizations move forward. And we've been about trying to help create healthier organizations, better places to work since that time. And what we found is a lot of success and some lessons that we've shared that have been really helpful to the organizations we've worked with. And we wanted to share those more broadly, which is where the book came in. And Lawrence, I'll just add to that a couple of, of statistics that we 
kind of came across as we were working on the book, as we were putting Solving the People Problem together. Um, some of your listeners might might actually know some of these stats. The first, coming from Gallup, we know year after year after year that uh, fewer than a third of the workers out there say that they are highly engaged at work. I mean, right there, that that should be a, a, a real big red flag for any leader in any organization. If we have this low engagement in our workforce, th that's going to have all kinds of downstream kind of problems for us. So that, that's something that that we started running into as we were doing the, the Lean Six Sigma kind of work that Evans was talking about. But, but an, another statistic is that people who work for leaders who have low emotional intelligence, those folks are going to have a four times higher rate of leaving the organization than if they're working for people that have higher emotional intelligence. And, you know, Evan shared a little bit that when we were doing all of this process improvement work, we were doing some really good projects, having some really great returns, but we weren't having this effect of changing the culture. We had a lot of clients saying, hey, we want this, you know, this, this DNA of our culture to evolve over time. And we found that these issues around lack of engagement and lack of emotional intelligence, these things were always getting in the way. So that's a large part around the the reason that we do what we do at Integris and the reason that we wrote this book solving the people problem. Yeah, and one one of the biggest things that that I'm getting from from you both uh is there's something to kind of there being a value around understanding and honoring not only the the human in others but maybe their style and the way they like to be be interacted with. So to tell me a little bit more about how that all plays into what you all do. I'll touch on the understanding part, and Evans, why don't you come in and talk about the honoring part? Because that's really the, the you know that that's that's the big part. But I'll start with the understanding part because that and it's understanding yourself, and it's under understanding others. Here, the 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 fact is, we all have our our preferences when it comes to how do we communicate, how do we interact, and and in fact, where do we go? Where where does our energy go when we come across new ideas and new people? You know, some of us are are, are very accepting and get really jazzed up about new ideas, and others of us kind of say, you know, all right, you know, sh you know sh show me the money, show me the details. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Right? The, neither one of those perspectives is right. They're both good. They're both helpful. You just need to know, uh, you know, where that's coming from. And if you don't understand that, both from yourself or about yourself and about the people you're working with, you're going to run into all kinds of problems. As a matter of fact, one of the studies that we cite in the book said that 62% of workers in America blame the conflict, the negative conflict that they experience at work. They blame that on personality differences and personality clashes. And Last I checked, we all have personalities. So if that's your source of a problem at work, we have a real issue. So the idea of understanding the different styles is really the first step. Understanding, you know, why do people want to do what they want to do and why do they talk about and why do they, uh, why does their energy go to different places? So with that as the backdrop of the understanding piece, Evans, fill in the, uh, the big punchline for us. Yeah, so the big punchline for us is really about honoring those differences. And, and all too often, what we were finding was uh, people would listen, but they kind of listen in air quotes. Um, it, it was, I'm, I'm not talking while I prepare my response. 
it's not that I'm actually trying to really understand where you're coming from and what value that has. So the way we look at it, it's not just about understanding. It's, it's even more than that. It's, it's really about honoring those differences because there's value in those differences. In reality, when I'm working with people and, and somebody has a different perspective, um, I should not start to get defensive. I should be saying, wow, hey, what's the opportunity? What could I learn here? What's a different way of looking at this? It's only when we open our minds to other perspectives that we actually can learn more, that we can grow as individuals. So it, it goes much more, and we, and we use the, the word honor kind of on purpose. It, it really is a, a almost a calling we want to drive into people to not go, that's not the way I want to do it. I've got to defend this. But to say, you know what? Actually, we all have value. And although we all have different styles, all those styles have value. And where we have difficulty, we called our book The People Problem. And it wasn't that people are a problem. It's when we don't honor one another's differences, our different perspectives, our different ways of going about things, the different energies that we get. When we don't honor that, that's where the problem is. And we had people come to us all the time saying we had to help come fix their problem with people. And it's not that. It's a problem with communication. Their people, in many ways, were wonderful but if I can't get rid of that friction of that communication, I'm not going to be able to see that. Man, you you that's two days in a row. This this that cuss word communication keeps coming up. <laughs> I, I mean, golly, that vulgar, vulgar word uh, keeps coming up as it pertains to being able to do it effectively. And and again, and I love, I love what you said there, Brett, particularly around, you know, if you're dealing with people, there are personalities involved. There are emotions involved. There are, you know, characteristics, unconscious and conscious to us all that are coming up. And so when you think about the tool you all used and combine, you combine several tools to, to get um, of the thousand that are out there. Why would you choose DISC slash EQ? as a, a, a source to collect data on, on when, in informing your research. Yeah. So in the book, it, uh, we basically took two different models that people probably understand that both been around for a little while. You mentioned it, you know, emotional intelligence and disc personality styles. And what we found was you know, there, there's a whole bunch of really good information out there about emotional intelligence, going back to uh, Goldman's book, Emotional Intelligence, and then uh, Bradbury and Graves came out with another book called uh, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 uh, a few years back, and really good things to give you, kind of get you thinking about the idea around understanding yourself and understanding others. But what we found was that there, there's those those books and those the the content that's around that didn't go quite far enough to 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 give a roadmap to say. And here's what you need to do. Here's here's a language that you can use to actually improve how well you know your own style and how well you know others. So we saw that gap in the emotional intelligence body of work that was out there. So we decided to look at, okay, well, what, what are the tools that we've used that would really help with that? And now there's a lot of different personality style type assessments that are out there. And, and we think a bunch of them are good. You know, you got strengths finders out there, you got MBTI, you got Enneagram, and all of those have their place. But what we found was since we are trying to help people understand how to communicate more effectively, we wanted something that was a tool that was easy to use, easy to understand, and would help people with observable behavior. 
And that's where we came into everything DISC and the, the DISC model. So DISC is, a, uh, is an acronym for the four primary personality styles that exist across the population. Uh, and this, this is based on research and studies that go back almost 100 years. The 1920s is when this was originally created. Of course, over these last almost 100 years, a lot of, of research, a lot of science has gone into them and the individual tools uh, that will measure and, uh, and identify the kind of style that you have, have have increased a great, great deal. But so for anybody who's not familiar with DISC, it's an acronym that stands for D dominance, I influence, S steadiness, and C conscientiousness. Now, the truth is we're all kind of a blend of these styles. Uh, we all have a little bit of, of all of them in there. But what, what, what the, the fact is that most of us have one of those that we, we really lean on more than the other. And if you think about those four different personality styles, um, uh, just give you a quick snapshot of them. The, the D, the dominant style people, these are people that are really fast paced and kind of skeptical when it comes to new ideas and, and new people. You can identify them because they are the folks that are really results driven. They're action oriented and they like to challenge things, right? They're, they're kind of the cut, the cut to the chase kind of people. Uh, I the influence type people, well, they're also fast paced like the, the D style people, but they're a little bit more accepting of people and uh, of new ideas. I, I kind of fall into this I category, you know, enthusiasm, a lot of energy, a lot, lot of excitement, you know, oh, new idea. Hey, let's let, let's really get into that. Right. That, that That's pretty common for the I style. The S style, the steadiness style, which uh, my my good friend Evans Kerrigan is an S style. Uh, very much into people, very accepting, but a little more reserved. Uh, we, we like to say, uh, Evans and I say that the, the I, you know, me as the I, I'm kind of the talk it through leader. Evans as the S style, he's more of the think it through leader. So S style kind of folks are, they want a little more stability, uh, not as, as focused on the, the fast paced changes of things. And, but more than anything else, they really like to support people. And that's one of the things that makes uh, Evans such a fantastic coach and consultant is he is always concerned about other people and, you know, how do I help other people? And if we get to it, I have a couple of funny stories about that, but let me, let me, let me finish out here. See conscientiousness people they're they're reserved, uh, kind of like the, the S style, but they are, 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 are really focused on kind of the details. They, they want to make sure things uh, are done right. They want it, you know, they're, they're going to ask, hey, did we dot the I's, cross the T's? They tend to be more private people. So whereas someone like me might come in and start talking about, hey, what'd you do last weekend? And tell me about your family. You know, the, the C style uh, personality tends not to do that. They tend to have a, you know, kind of a tighter group of, of friends and, and uh, you know, aren't, aren't really looking to put their, their whole life out there. So what we find is that by taking that disc style and helping organizations help, you know, basically get everybody in the organization to understand what kind of a style they are and then become familiar with, kind of, with the behavioral patterns, the communication patterns of those styles, we can take that content. And we can marry it back up then with that idea of emotional intelligence, which talks about you got to know yourself and you got to know others. And when you do those two things, 
you can really be in a better position to adapt your own behavior for the mutual benefit of everybody involved. So that's why we've taken that disc, married it up with emotional intelligence. And what we find is that when organizations or, or even small teams within organizations, when they can get everybody on the team, understanding where their disc style is and, and not using it as a label, not saying, oh, yeah, I know what you're going to do because you're an I, but rather they say, oh, I, I realize that you're going to be kind of energetic about this. You're an I, I'm a C, I can focus on the details. Let's come together, right? Use it as a, as a tool to bring uh, strengths together. We find that teams are able to become more effective, more efficient, more productive. And in fact, the, the entire work environment becomes a lot more human. And I would argue we could use a whole lot more of that these days. Yeah, one of the biggest things, and particularly as, as you know, the one things I enjoyed about taking DISC and even, you know, breaking it down with teams is how there was less of uh, a automatic um, go towards biases of, of yeah. what you are, which which comes up a lot in the MBTIs. And you always say, oh, I'm an introvert, oh, I'm an extrovert. And it's almost the easy button of whether I engage or not, um, or the labels that come with being a style. Um, and, and so I, I love that description right there, because at the end of the day, it's about how we engage each other and the humanity right. of each other. And, and, and when you think about from the consultant side of the house and understanding what that looks like, um, Evans, like, what are, what are the things you look for when you go into an organization and you start addressing some of these things? This is the fun part for me. Um, I just, uh, Brett kind of alluded to it. I, I just love people. Um, I, I actually, uh, we were on a, a call last week with a bunch of people and, uh, uh, one of our clients said, oh, Evans, he just, he came in to work with us and he was just, he was just fatherly, which I choose not to take as an embarrassing thing. I, I mean, I, I helped create a, an environment where we could talk about things that we hadn't talked about. Um, and, and it was a team that actually, you know, they, they asked for some help because they were struggling. They were struggling. And, we, and we've got, just got story after story after story about where, a team or a group is is really struggling and sometimes they really have distaste for one another they, they've got in their mind there is something wrong with the other people on this team and uh disc has helped us kind of build a language and be able to look at it and all of a sudden we have people kind of laughing about things they were fighting about just prior where they realize oh that's why you reacted that way let me let me tell you what the story was that was going in my mind it had nothing to do with what you were doing. It, uh, we run our own scripts, right? We look at things as I'm communicating in the right way and you're thereby you're communicating the wrong way rather than we're communicating differently. How can we make that work? So we find that it, it, it helps people get give each other a little bit of grace to build the relationships that can actually move us forward instead of having the friction that keeps us from being able to actually move forward with one another. And it's just, it's so rewarding to see people all of a sudden kind of realize, you know what, you don't actually hate me. You just have a different way of communicating. And so often I think we spend so much time working, even in a virtual world. And so often our relationships there are, we think they are without emotion and they are more emotional because of that. And, and, and it's it's helping people understand, you know what, we are all people trying to do a good job. And if we can give each other a little bit of grace and actually listen a little better, it is amazing what we are capable of. 
Uh, for me, I, we do a lot of work with leaders and my favorite leadership word is possibility. And because that's what a leader actually creates, right? They, they create that opportunity for us to actually create something that didn't exist before. That's a whole lot easier if we've kind of talked about who we are, where we come from, what are some of the things that are important to us. And, and it's not a change that takes a huge amount of time. It takes time to build it really strong, but it's that mindset change of, wait a minute, I've been, I've been associating reasons to you that actually aren't true. So, uh, so I've got to look at this a little bit differently. When we, were, when we first were writing the book, actually had a different subtitle. And uh, our, our editor kind of put the stomp on that subtitle because originally this was called Solving the People Problem and You're the Problem. Um, and he said, it's, it's a great title. It may even be true, but you're not going to sell any books. So we had to change the title. But, but there's that, that element of truth that I kind of like about if I want to improve our communications, that's up to me. As soon as I start saying, if they would only, I've washed my hands of it. And, and I can't expect better results. This gives us the opportunity to say, well, here's who I am. I get to know myself better. And here's who other people are. What can I do to reach out? How can I reach out? We can we can hold one of those arms or we can shake hands and we can move forward together. And it, it completely changes the framework that a lot of people look at their coworkers with. And that's that's the exciting part for me. Yeah. And Lawrence, one of the things that we, we do that I think at least in what I've, I've seen is a little bit unique in how we use the disc instrument <clears throat> historically uh, disc and, and the, and the other personalities kind of style uh, instruments as well tended to be, I take the assessment for myself. I get a personal report and I get to read about myself. And then if I happen to go to a training class or something like that, I can hear kind of about the other people, but really it's, it, it's about my style and it's it's kind of in a vacuum a little bit. What we do is that we make sure that everyone on the team knows not only what their style is and not just generically what other styles are, but we make sure that they know for the other people that are on their team, what are their styles? And we get them talking about it. We actually use a tool. Uh, it's called Catalyst. It's an online platform. So when someone takes a disc assessment with, with us, they immediately go into this online platform that has uh, uh, text information. There's a podcast in there about every one of the styles. There's videos. So there's a lot of self-education, uh, self-learning. But the thing that we love most about this is that there is a section that we call the colleague directory. And it basically pops up everybody so you see everybody's face, you see everybody's style, and you can double click on the, each individual. And when you do, it pulls up, here's where their style is on the, on the little circumplex, and then here's where your style is. And then it does a comparison uh, and, and says, you know, hey, here are some things that you guys will really do well together. Here are some things that might get in the way just based on the way the two of you see the world. And here's how you can prevent some of those uh, some of those differences from becoming problems. And so for us, this is this is kind of the marrying of it back up to emotional intelligence, right? If we want it to understand not only your own style, but other styles so that you can improve how you interact, we need to put the stuff front and center. And so that tool has been extremely valuable, uh, both for us internally in our organization, as well as with the organizations that we work with. 
Yeah, and it's and it's both interesting, um, Evans and Brent, what you what you both brought up, particularly around, you know, just again having resources and different things like that. But one of the things that I've encountered, right, and, and I'm the student of leadership, uh, similar to you, gentlemen. And I love some good research, um, and one of the things that is not lacking is the toil that the last year and some change has taken on actual people leaders and. You we're and we're talking high level general teams, but what are are you doing anything different based on the pandemic and the shifting of nuances? Because Brett, again, Evans, you you mentioned sometimes we get leaders that accept that the change is coming or they need to adopt change, but and in 2020 was voluntold to us. And, and how we were going to engage. And so it's one thing if you're saying I, I get to volunteer for change, but it's another thing when we volunteer an entire population that they have to do it a certain way. So what are the nuances of, of training and engagement that you all have seen that you've had to sh make some pivots or shifts? On? Sure. So obviously our business changed with everybody's and in some cases even more violently than everybody else's. Uh, we went uh, from pre-pandemic a full book of business and actually we needed to find a few extra resources to cover some dates to uh, everything disappeared. Everything went up in a puff of smoke uh, last March and all of a sudden the calendars cleared out, all revenue dried up, all those kind of things. Uh, we moved to virtual just like everybody else did. Um, we found some of our clients were, you know, oh, we'll just wait this out. Um, and, and some of them, I mean, some of them realized pretty quickly, you know what, that's not really a good strategy. Uh, some of them kind of held on for a long period of time. But the the reality is when that was forced upon them, what they call it training, you call it connection, whatever you want to call it, that actually became more important, not less important. And, and all too frequently, people identified getting people together in the same room as learning. And there are a lot of different ways to do it. I mean, Zoom meetings, whatever the case might be, we do all that stuff virtually. We've gotten great feedback from people. Uh, the tool Brett was mentioning, that Catalyst tool, hugely helpful. Uh, we've got a lot of teams where they're kind of going in depth at a team meeting. They're kind of doing little breakout rooms with a pair of people or a trio of people to learn more about one another, to not make that a one-time thing, but to actually kind of have those conversations. Uh, I think Patrick Lanciani early in the early in the lockdown, he's one of the guys who do a lot of his material, uh, uh, talked about the fact that what we're called on as leaders is to actually be more human. And that's the big difference I've seen is is the leaders who realize everybody is suffering a little bit with this. How do I help make sure that people still have that connection? That connection isn't going to be because we're in the same office. It's got to be some other way. So what are the things we're doing to make sure that that connection is true and real? Because that's a basic human need for us all. And as challenging as this last year has been, Lawrence, I think actually we're coming up to a really big challenge as people start to migrate a little bit back. And we're talking about a more hybrid workforce. Because I think having everybody feel that sense of connection is going to be even more difficult when I've actually got half the people in the office and the other half working from home or working from other locations because I, I, I think we really need to think through how do we still have that feeling of engagement, of team, of being part of something really important? And it really matters at, at such an incredible level. 
And, and I think too often we're thinking about the nuts and bolts of things. And I think part of this goes to language. I apologize if I'm bouncing around a little bit here, but, but part of this goes to language. We hear people talk all the time about training in hard skills and in soft skills. And th there are no soft skills. That is such a misnomer. It, it devalues the things that are most critical to our success as organizations and as people. So we call them, on the cover of the book, we call them the essential skills. You could call them critical skills. They are not soft. They're actually the more difficult skills because people all vary. So you've got to, it, it's it's not a, oh, I learned it once and I'm done. Yeah. It's an ongoing learning experience for all of your career. And soft skills, I think, is, is a horrible misnomer. We've got to get that out of the language yeah. because it's not. It's the essential skills we need to be successful. Yeah, and and and. <laughs> I thank you for saying it out loud. I in in the research that I'm doing on organizational leadership and particularly topics like safety are coming up, psychological yeah. safety and the yeah. old the old little thing, oh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt. Bull crap. Yeah. Like like words are destroying people. Yeah. And it, particularly in this season of life where like you said, we're all on this spectrum of hurt emotion because the pandemic hit everybody differently and if leaders aren't positioning themselves and upskilling in the in this art of am i asking a simple question of are you okay because now you could ask it in passing when we're in the cubicle jungle and you're like hey you doing okay great 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 and keep moving but now we have these same size square box on all of our calls. So yeah. nobody's chair is higher or lower and nobody's dominating a room anymore. But it's one of those situations like there's a, a level of care, but also in the way we communicate. And there is nothing soft about this. And I, one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, talks about <laughs> the the art of being vulnerable and courageous and them being interchangeable as the same thing. And so those those are cuss words in, in corporate spaces. What do you mean vulnerability? Like, what, what is that? But it's a people business, like you both have been saying for, for almost 30 minutes now. And so when you think about, because because again, I'm an I'm a actions over ideas person. And how do you make people or help people take a first step in doing this essential work? Because it's it's kicking and screaming. What do y'all do? doing? Yeah, so so we have there there are there there remain. Uh, a good number of you know internal HROD folks that are on the cutting edge of this stuff, and they are actively seeking out support from uh, from folks like us that can bring the ideas, bring the tools uh, to their organizations, to their teams, or, 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 or some in some cases they do it themselves. Right? Um, we we have a lot of clients that we just provide you know, assessments to and provide facilitation kits with, you know, we give them the scripts, we give them the videos, we give them the, the PowerPoint slides and say, hey, you know, you guys do this stuff internally, which is fantastic. We actually love it when organizations do that because we figure if if they have that level of support inside the organization, the likelihood that it's going to go past some of the just general awareness and understanding, and it will get into, hey, we're experimenting with these ideas, and we're ultimately adopting and sustaining these new behaviors. That's fantastic. But one of the things that we we realized really quickly uh, as we went through this pandemic is that there are a lot of organizations that aren't set up for that. 
that they don't have those internal uh, HR teams that are, are ready to bring their, their teams and their leaders together in this kind of way. And so we've actually started doing a monthly open enrollment orientation session all around solving the people problem. Uh, we get people into that catalyst tool that we we're talking about. We get them you know, looking at what their style is, what their preferences are, and we get them understanding other preferences. They can join in uh, with, with their teams. Uh, we have some leaders that just come in on their own so they can learn some, some, some skills. Uh, some ideas that they can take back to their teams. So this this whole idea of this open enrollment monthly session, we're getting more and more people coming into this thing. And uh, you know, from from our perspective, the more that we can do to get people thinking about this, because part of the reason why this is such a problem, and this goes back to some of the things we talked about in the early part of this conversation, the fact that so many people blame conflict on personality differences simply means that there's there's a lack of understanding of these these kinds of concepts and so if we can make it real easy for people to start to say oh hey i i didn't actually realize that's how other people see me and i didn't really realize that i was having these biases when i talked to somebody that looks at the world in this way or that way so we're trying, you, know, you kind of asked, hey, what are we doing today to try to make this happen? Uh, I would argue a big reason why we put the book out there was that's a whole lot easier way to get to a lot of people, to let people kind of, you know, sink in with some of these ideas and this, this monthly orientation session. That's another way that we're able to just put it out there and say, you know, hey, start, start playing with these kind of ideas, folks, because they will make a real difference in both the effectiveness of your team, the product productivity of your work, and the level that you personally have of engagement in your workforce. Yeah, if I could just hop in yeah, here definitely. for a minute, a couple other things that I think are really important. It is, it is part of the beauty of both the model and the tool that we use around DISC as well. Uh, the, I mean, Brett went over DISC philosophy kind of really, really quickly. But one of the really key points out of that is there is no right or wrong style. You are perfect at the style that you are. To some extent, we, we find a lot of people are hesitant to get into this because they're defensive. So we wanna, we wanna lower that temperature a little bit and, and help people understand that we all have things that we do really well and things that are a little bit more difficult for us to pull off, right? And, and kind of lower the temperature and bring people into that conversation. And then one of the things that we've done with a lot of people is actually kind of share some of the success stories, share what people have been able to do. And there are several of those stories uh, that are actually in the book as well. But I mean, if, if you want to take it down to the, again, never call them soft skills. Uh, we worked with a client where uh, they had brought in somebody to do continuous improvement work. It wasn't us. And a couple of years later, they put out an RFP to have somebody come in and do continuous improvement work. So I'm guessing they didn't get quite what they wanted out of the first one. Um, so we went in and uh, and we actually proposed to them. And here's what I proposed. I said, okay, we're going to start your lean implementation by not doing any lean at all. We're going to start by helping your leaders and helping your teams better communicate. And it, it was planned to be, this was going to be, you know, several years of work. And about nine months in, I got a call from one of the top people in the organization who says, hey, Evans, I've got a problem. It's just before the holidays. Just what do you want to hear when you're a young firm? I said, oh, okay, so, so what's the problem? So, well, the, the problem is, and she had come from one of the big four consulting firms. 
She said, well, the problem is I've got my five-year plan laid out for how we're going to actually make this happen. And nine months in, you guys are on year four of my plan on what I'm seeing in the behaviors of the people in this workplace. So you've blown my plan out of the water. She had a good laugh. I calmed down a little bit afterward. But it does show the, the, the power of it isn't those technical tools. It's the, can we communicate in a different way? Can we get to issues more quickly? Can we resolve issues in a more positive way where everybody's pulling in the right direction to make things work? That's the stuff that actually drives it. When people kind of see those success stories, I, I always learned success sells. If you've got things that work for people, let people tell those stories for you. So doing that, the fact that we can invite people in and Everybody has faced at some point people who really annoyed them. And when I can understand that was not their aim, they just they came at things in a little bit different way. And I was unable to actually hear them, so they became annoying. When we see that, we see what we can do. We find almost everybody actually gets on board. Yeah, I, I love that. And particularly what I love about it is the fact that early on, you started one with the leaders. But then it became normal to engage this way. And I believe that's the that's the biggest shift for a lot of organizations. Like you said, it, it communication, if communication becomes the exception, not the rule, then things like 360s are hard. Feedback is hard when, again, it's a gift and it's all about the reframe. And I, and I love what you said, particularly around, you know, the, the coaching terms and reframe how you're experiencing what's being said right and if you're in your own head as Britt just ticked me off by actually telling me that what I did wrong and why it was wrong and why did he give me information I needed to be better why would he do that what is wrong with Brett why, why would he want me to do my job better and you'd be like what are you mad about again <laughs> right yeah. and it's just like if we hear the words that people are using you're like ah. Uh, and I always like to say, particularly in leadership engagement, is are you being more curious than confrontational? Mm. And, and that way you get to and you can put things in context about what we're actually having a conversation about. And it happens when you you make engagement normal. Every piece of engagement with, with again, that's why it's essential skills that need to be built. Because, again, you talk about family relationships and all those things. We could disagree. We still love each other. In our households, or I believe that that we should in that way. But then we come back together to continue to engage well, and so that same thing can happen in the workplace. And and to me, what twenty twenty exposed is something you gentlemen have flushed out. Really, is that hey, you're a whole like your whole being needs to be present all the time. And that old thing of, hey, I'm just, I got my work hat on, then I'll put my husband hat on or my spouse hat on, and then I'll put on the gardener hat when I'm doing yard work. It's like, no, you're still the same person. So we're just emotionally squishy people that need to engage with other emotionally squishy people. And how do we do it better? And so when you think about how do you take on organizations and different things like that, because I want people to reach out to y'all. I want them to get the support they need from you two gentlemen and, and your your uh, partners. So before, what are a couple final statements that you have before we get into the business of this? Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing, Lawrence, that that folks could do as we were writing the book, like you, we're we're about action. Um, we we are not academic. So so solving the people problem is not an academic book. We we've cited a lot of the the research 
uh, that, that, that we included in the book. Evans and I both are data focused people as far as, you know, we want to see proof that the ideas that, uh, you know, that, that that we're thinking about that we're using, we want to see proof that they're working. And we figured most of the people that are going to read our book, they're going to want to want to see some proof that what we have to say actually works. So, so we definitely cite a lot of, uh, of research and studies, uh, and, and, and numbers. However, that's the small portion of the book. As a matter of fact, the, about the first third of the book is uh, you know, so, some of the things we've been talking about. You know, what's what's the background on disc? What's the background on emotional intelligence? But the back half of the book, this, the back two thirds, is really about application. It's got stories in it, and it's got application because we want people to pick up that book and be able to, when they're done reading through it, be able to make some different choices to be able to uh, make some different decisions in how they act and how they react. And one of the things, because we wanted this to be so practical, one of the things that we did as we were putting together the book is we created uh, our own emotional intelligence survey. And uh, we can make this free to anybody who's watching hot takes today. Um, The emotional intelligence survey, uh, it, it takes most people about five minutes and once they're done, Lawrence, they get this report and the report doesn't just give them a low, medium, high score on those areas of, you know, how well do you know yourself and how well do you know your, uh, know others? More importantly, what it does is it gives you some very specific ideas for no matter where you are right now, here are some things you can do, some very practical ideas, actions you can take today that will help you become a little bit more emotionally intelligent and therefore allow you to interact with others in a more effective, more productive way. So if anybody wants to go take that survey, they can do it. All they have to do is go to solvingthepeopleproblem.com. Look for the link that says, what's my disk EQ? As soon as they click that, what's my disk EQ link, they're going to come to the landing page for the survey and they need to enter an access code and we're on hot takes. So that access code, let's make it hot. Right, they they put in hot and boom, they get get into that survey. Like I said, about five minutes later, and then they get that report. And our hope on that is that that will trigger some ideas for you. You know, even if you never pick up the book, even if you never talk to us again, even if you you never watch another uh, uh, episode of of hot takes, that will give you some some ideas for what you can do to move forward. Now, of course, we want them coming back to hot takes because your episodes are fantastic. You always have really good ideas in here, but we're, we're with you. We want to give people an, an opportunity to uh, make some practical change and we want to make it as easy as possible. So that survey is a real good way for people to do that. Yeah. I'll just throw in just a couple little last thoughts here uh, and I'll try to keep it quick. Um, I joked earlier, we originally had a subtitle that said, you know, solving the people problem and you're the problem. Uh, I find that exceptionally empowering because you're also the solution. And one of the things we know about emotional intelligence is it is malleable. It is something that you can change. And the beauty of it is it's not a huge change. It's a lot of little changes. Hmm. It's being a little bit more aware. It's gathering a little bit more feedback from people. It's, It's understanding people. It's catching yourself when you want to react. And instead, and I'll, I'll, I'll use what you were saying, it, it, use that curiosity. Say, wait a minute, why is why are you looking at that differently? Is there something I'm missing? What could I learn from this? And, and if you start to take those little actions, what you will find is you feel better 
you don't have as many of those things that you're going, boy, how did that go wrong? And, and you'll just feel more comfortable. It's just a much more fun way to live. I mean, let's be honest, it really helps businesses and it helps us get more things done. But it's also just a lot more fun. It's a it's a much more entertaining way to live by trying to really understand the people around you in a little bit different way and not cause your own problems. We all have things we do well. We all have things that are a little bit more of a challenge. This provides us the opportunity to actually gain the benefits and limit some of the possible risks of how we go about interacting with the world around us. Man, gentlemen, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for, for this extremely rich conversation. Um, particularly, I, I, I love the people business. Um, and, yeah. and I call it a business because we, there's there are processes, there are procedures, but it, 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 it needs to be structured and we need to dig into it. And so I thank you so much for the gift of you all and in the work that you do. So um, you you have a residency here. So anytime y'all have a new book come out or a new program or anything else like that, hit me up so so we can get back on hot takes and have a have a conversation about uh all the good that you're doing in the world so i just want to say thank you thank you so much Absolutely. thank you lawrence. thanks for having us on lawrence this has been yeah. great yeah so th thank you those of you out there who watched live thank you so much for tuning back in to another episode of hot takes where we're always seeking to be humble open and transparent and if you're an author speaker practitioner, change agent, somebody who loves to put on coveralls and work boots to develop others, uh, direct message me so we can get on hot takes and we can have another awesome conversation. So until next time, folks, continue to be safe out there and continue to treat each other well. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to subscribe across our eight different podcast locations. Until next time, folks, continue to be humble, open and transparent. Be good to people and actions over ideas always win.